Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Matthew, uh, the 24th chapter. And um, I'm going to share something tonight that um, has been on my heart the last uh, couple days. I haven't said nothing really to nobody about it. And because it's uh, something that I usually am not familiar with, I mean, in the sense of real confident in sharing in, but uh, I felt my silence on the subject isn't really um, good either, and that's what's going on today in the nation. And I really want to share a little bit on the subject of racism tonight and what the Bible says about it. And, um, you know, it's something, it, it's hard to relate uh, to someone's shoes you've never been in. And, and um, how many believe that God is all colors? Amen. Amen. He's all colors. He really is. I mean, he's got them all. And we're all the same people. We all shed the same blood. We all, and we all came from the same creator. Can I have an amen to that? I want to just begin starting out by saying dissension and contention has been a behavioral problem since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, both blood-related and spiritually related. How many, how many agree that it takes, a, it takes a lot of work to make relationships work? Amen. It really does. In Genesis 4, you know, we find the phrase, am I my brother's, am I my brother's keeper? And that is the response that Cain gave to God when God came to him and said, where is your brother? Where's your brother? Of course, God already knew that he was dead, but he said, am I my brother's keeper? And the fact of he was. And if Cain would have embraced that spiritual responsibility that God had given him because he was the eldest son, he would have never crossed the line and taken his brother's life um, as he did. And, um, and so we could see already that there's, there is great contention going on, dissension, uh, coming from the pit of hell, because that's where it comes from. Division comes from hell. Unity comes from heaven. Can I have an amen to that? So when it comes to the body of Christ, see, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, all spiritually intertwined uh, into this blood covenant family of God. And yet, you all agree that it still takes a lot of growing and learning so that we all get along and remain unified for the cause of Christ. And so tonight, I want to share a little bit about the corruption and chaos that we've been looking at and, and, and watching and observing the last couple of weeks on TV. I really haven't said nothing about it. We're witnessing um, something that if it doesn't get fixed and resolved, it will destroy this nation because Jesus says a nation divided against itself cannot stand. And, and though we think it's a racial divide, it's coming from the pit of hell. And everybody say amen to that. It really is. Let me give you the definition of racism. And, you know, we have, we have black brothers and sisters in our church. And, um, and I'm not sure what they think I think or, or, you know what I'm saying, regarding all that's going on. So I really wanted to share my heart tonight because racism is evil. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's horrific. But it isn't just, a, it, it's not about color. It really isn't. It's about the condition of the heart of mankind. And, but let me give you the definition. It's prejudice, discrimination, and antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. And when I read that, I thought, man, you've got to be out of your mind You've got to be extremely arrogant and deceived if you think for a moment that you are better than someone else. And I mean this with all my heart. When I go drive down the street and I see, in fact, I just ran into a, um, uh, uh, 
a gentleman from the, the Sioux tribe um, uh, earlier today. And I'm telling you, I have absolutely zero judgment on him or anyone else. In fact, he is loved of God. He came out of his mother's room to have a divine destiny, but the culture around him captured him and, he, and to become something that God never ordained him to become. I was sharing this earlier with them. What I've shared it from the pulpit even. I had a brother-in-law that, who died at 51 years, of alcohol, 51 years old of alcoholism. It actually was Vicky's sister's husband. And at 51 years old, and, and it was so sad because he became what he hated the most in his mother. His mother was an alcoholic, and he so disdained her that he became exactly like her. And so this is, this is, this is the human this is the human makeup, that you have to be very careful how you address things in your life regarding other people. Because sometimes the very things that you, you hate in them is if you're not careful, you become just like them. Amen. So racism, prejudice, discrimination, antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. Every, listen, every nationality or every ethnicity is broken beyond repair. And that happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam transgressed. Amen. And even with God's divine intervention, it still takes a, a major amount of work uh, through the Spirit of God and with the Word of God for us to stay in harmony together even as believers. And racism isn't just an American problem. It is echoed within the borders of every nation worldwide. I just want you to know that. It's just not in America. What happened to Mr. George Floyd was horrific, disgusting, disturbing, inexcusable, and evil to its core. And I believe his death would have been avoided if the legal system that ignored the 18 complaints against this corrupt officer would have been enforced. I'm just saying. So even there, you know, some, the structure failed. The system failed. And, and, and yet, it's no excuse for the lawlessness that we've seen. Two wrongs don't make a right. The peaceful demonstration is fine, but it grieves my heart when Christians, born-again spirit-filled Christians, step into the ring of becoming antagonizing and mocking and becoming like the world. We're supposed to be full of love and compassion and mercy. Because no matter how much violation there is in the world today, another death isn't going to be an answer. Isn't going to correct the problem. Can I have an amen to that? I mean, it's just not. And again, I'm not, I, 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 mean, I sit, stand here tonight, you know, uh, can't step into the shoes of someone who, who is hated because of the color of their skin, which is totally twisted and ungodly. When I look at some of our people, I never see them color. I see character. I do. That's what I see. When I see a, a black person married to a white or a white married, that makes... I don't even see that, even though many years ago that might have been a problem. It, and probably, probably is still a problem in some people's minds, but not mine. We're all the people created by God himself. Can I have an amen? amen? So what is the answer to racism? Well, first of all, I want to say this because it is true, whether you want to accept it or not, that racism is in the Adamic nature. 
It's in the DNA of the Adamic nature. Racism is already there. It's in there. And it came through the fall. I mean, I, I mean if you really want to get... I thought about this. Cain expressed racism towards his own brother. His own brother had a relationship with God that Cain lacked because he wouldn't accept responsibility for his life. And therefore, you know, that was an expression of racism. I mean, he literally crossed the line and killed his brother for just because he didn't deal with his own heart. Racism is in the Adamic DNA, uh, nature, uh, the DNA of every human being uh, worldwide. I mean, whether we like to admit it or not. And everything, listen, it has everything to do with the condition of one's heart above the color of his skin. When I was writing, the subject, uh, writing uh, this book on the subject of lust, um, Back in 2006, I realized, I mean, it's like a big awakening, but I realized for the first time, more than ever, that at every culture, every ethnicity is the same. Wherever you go, we, we deal with the same problems, the same challenges, the same moral conditions, the uh, spiritual thing. We all deal with the same envy, jealousy, strife, backbiting, all the things that the human behavior expresses. Every culture has that problem. We're all the same. The only one that makes a difference in all this is God himself inside the heart of a man, changing him from the inside out. If you agree, say amen. The farther a, the farther a nation moves away from the heart and nature of God, the deeper the divide and the greater path of destruction it creates. Racism, as I said earlier, is from the pit of hell, and yet it won't be resolved with more violence, rioting, and killing. Listen, not even legislation will change anything without a, spiritual, without a spiritual change within the heart of a nation. Do you hear that? I mean, if you don't value your brother, if you don't value your brother or sister, then legislation is not, I mean, people are, I mean, there's laws don't kill, you're still killing people. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, the truth is we are. In Exodus 2, God addressed racism, and it happened to be between Moses and his brother and sister. What happened is, is Moses married a woman by the name of Zipporah, and she was a black Ethiopian woman. And in, in, in fact, turn to Numbers 2. I want to read this to you. Turn to Numbers, the second chapter, uh, the 12th chapter, verse 2. Let's go back to Numbers. Numbers 12, very interesting. It says that in verse 1 that Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they, and, and I mean, then they get really critical about it. And they get so critical that they're saying, hey, who does Moses think he is? We hear from God just like he does. I mean, they came so, became so critical that, um, uh, verse 5, the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And I'm sure they said at that moment, yes, now God is going to deal with him and say, this is not right that you marry a black woman. He's good. I mean, I, we can just see God judging Moses right now. Watch this. And 
he said, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. Now my servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him, I love this, I speak mouth to mouth. I mean, face to face. I get right up close and I speak to him. That's the kind of a relationship we have. Isn't that beautiful? Now, even apparently and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall, be, uh, shall he behold. Wherefore, then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. And watch this. And he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. Watch this. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. See, and I, I, just for the fun of it, right before I came out, I thought, oh, I wonder what that leper, what causes leprosy? And actually, it's called Hansen's disease. That's what it's called. It's an infection caused by a slow-growing bacteria um, called Macobacterium, and it can affect the nerves, the skin, the eyes, and the lining of the nose. And, I, and the reason I bring that up is because it's a slow, it just, it just creeps up on you. It's a slow, it eats your flesh away. They say that eventually your ears, the parts of your ears drip off, fingertips drip off. I mean, it's a disgusting disease. But that, is, that, it was, that was just a manifestation of what was going on the inside of Miriam. You know, they, a lot of sicknesses, you know, caused from some of the external things that we don't deal with in life. Can I have an amen? So this was, this was how, what happened. And you know what was interesting? Without the prayers of both Moses, well, actually, it's only Moses, not Aaron. Without the, prayer of Aaron uh, without the prayer of Moses and a change of heart in Miriam, she would have remained that way. She was restored and got healed. But that's, that's how critical the situation was with God and his perspective regarding racism. In Deuteronomy 10, verse 17, I'll just read this. It says, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, uh, the mighty, the terrible God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, watch this, and loves the stranger. That word stranger is the foreigner, the outsider the foreigner, okay, or temporary residence and give some food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger and sojourner, for you are strangers and sojourners in the land of Egypt. Now, what's so interesting about this right here is, is this. He said, don't you forget how the, the, the e Egyptians hated you? I mean, they expressed more racism than anybody at that time in history. And you think that the Jews would have learned from that. But guess what? You go to the New Testament, and you find out that the scribes and the Pharisees, who were Jews, were extremely racist. Because if you didn't believe in their, uh, their God, and didn't believe in what they believed, then you were a, you were a lowlife. You were uncircumcised. You were a dog. That's what their perspective was about any, anyone outside their circle. Isn't that something? So Matthew 24, I'll turn there now. I just want to read uh, the first couple verses there, Matthew 24. If you haven't found it yet, give up. 
Matthew 24, verse 7. It says, well, okay, early on, Jesus gives them, he shows them, he says, um, how do I read? Verse 3, he sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came on him privately saying, tell me, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of that coming and of the end of the world? Verse 7, he gives, he just says how, what kind of atmosphere there's going to be. And he says, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now, I just want to stop there because the word, you know this, we've taught it before. The word nation there is the word ethnicity. He says, for ethnicity, ethnicity will, shall rise against ethnicity and kingdom against kingdom. The kingdom of darkness against the kingdom of light. This is what you're seeing. This is, I mean, like I said, racism, goes, it, 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 it's, it's in the realm of the spirit. It's evil. It's birthed from hell itself. And what's so sad is when we get caught up in joining the ranks of the unbelievers to, to vent, to promote their venting of their uncontrolled anger and animosity. And isn't that funny? They become worse than the racist himself. This is why we have to be so careful. The very thing that you hate, you become. Nation and ethnicity shall rise against ethnicity. And the kingdom of darkness contending with the kingdom of light. And as the body of Christ, we must never lose sight of what kingdom we're in and what nation we're of. We're citizens of heaven. Can I have an amen? And what our calling is, our anointing is to bring as many people with us as we can. But we won't if we jump into the same pool of corruption that the world is venting today. It's interesting how Jesus said in, there in Matthew 24 that the, he was addressing the signs of the last days, okay? And we know that the last days started in Acts, the second chapter, which simply means that racism would intensify during this dispensation. And now we're living in the last of the last days, and we're seeing it rise, rise up again uh, in, in, in our nation, which breaks my heart. Paul witnessed and addressed this in the first century church when he said this in Romans 10, 12. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. To the church at Galatia, he says, we are neither Jew nor Greek. We're not brown or black or red or white, but we're a new creation. How many believe we're all new creations in Christ Jesus? So, you know, it's, it's what's on the inside. Philip, who is also a leader in the first century church, he never questioned the ethnicity of the eunuch who asked him for help regarding interpreting the scriptures in Acts the eighth chapter. Uh, he, Philip didn't stop to judge the man's worth based on the color of his skin. He considered that, considered that the Ethiopian was worthy of the same salvation that Philip himself had received. Isn't that beautiful? He was a black Ethiopian cruising. I mean, very, he was a man of, of, of great authority under a queen. And he was sitting there reading Isaiah, searching for the truth. And, and, and Philip not only goes down there and ministers to him, but when he's done ministering to him, praise God, Philip gets translated to another city. I think that's pretty awesome. Wouldn't that be fun just to do that once? Yeah. 
Just be translated somewhere. I mean, translate to Garrison would be cool. I mean, at least you're going somewhere. But to the, not cool? But if Philip would have been like those scribes and Pharisees and got, drove up and looked at the chariot, he said, I ain't going to witness to him. He's Ethiopian. He's a dog. He's a lowlife. He's uncircumcised. No, he didn't have, he had the heart of God. I said he had the heart of God. Amen. Just write this down. Others don't determine your value. God does. Aren't you grateful for that? And he values every person. In Acts, the 10th chapter, after Peter's life was supernaturally transformed. Listen, this is important. He, remember in John 20, he, Jesus breathed on them and they were uh, born again. And then Acts 2, they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Listen to this. After he was saved and spirit-filled, he, first, he still believed salvation was not only of the Jews, but he believed that salvation was only for the Jews at that moment. See, he had to get his mind renewed. That was the culture. I mean, that's, you know, he, he didn't believe that. No, no, he didn't believe that anybody but the Jews had this great salvation that God had promised. And, and, and again, if you weren't a Jew, you really were. I mean, they believed. They looked down on you. They said you were nothing but a dog at best. Again, that attitude, that racist attitude. But that all changed, praise God. When he got the revelation in Acts the tenth chapter uh, of, of um, regarding Cornelius, and what here's what he says in verse thirty four of Acts ten. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, "Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation." There's that word ethnicity, and it actually means in every every foreigner, every stranger, every pagan, every race, every tribe. He that fears him, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and works righteousness is accepted with him. So Peter was so elated, and those circumcised believers that were with Peter were also shocked of this great revelation that Gentiles could be saved. In 1933, racism began to weave its evil web across Germany. As Hitler's army ransacked, now listen to this. You talk about, you want to talk about racism? His army ransacked and pillaged every storefront and home of any one of Jewish blood throughout Germany. We're talking about thousands upon thousands of Jews. They went into the, just like, the, just like we're seeing on TV. What in the world goes on when you go and you destroy 500 stores in Minneapolis and some of them owned by precious black people? It's insanity. It's demonic. It's demonic. Or in all the other cities. It's absolute. And the police officers cannot do anything at all. Their, their hands are completely tied. And then you have five precious black guys who were murdered just simply trying to protect their stores. I mean, it's insanity. Demonic. We need, if you don't think that it has nothing to do with color skin has everything to do with we need a visitation. And I just said it as one of the guys earlier. If we don't have a visitation from God in America, we're going to lose this nation. 
And so what this should do is awaken us to cry out to God even more. God, we need a move of your spirit. Because the only difference between you and, uh, you and I and the people out there throwing the rocks is Jesus. Can I have an amen? Anyway, they believed with all their hearts that they were doing the will of God. They called it ethnic cleansing. And when it was all said and done, six million Jews, also including five, additional mil- five million additional outsiders, were murdered and gassed and burned to death. All under the guise of racism. 87 years later, listen to this, 87 years later, anti-Semitic rhetoric is being echoed throughout all the colleges, campuses again. And it's racism, whether the press acknowledges it or not. It's racism. And if you will, if you will read some of the information that Kufi gives, you'll be shocked of the persecution that Kufi members get by supporting the Jewish, peop- the Jewish students in colleges. So it is, it's just not in the black, it's all, it's all over. The racism, it, it will try to raise its head in any form that it can. And we need to confront it whenever we can. Everybody say amen to that. I'm closing with uh, Martin Luther King. Now, for some of the young people that may not know, he was, he was a born-again, spirit-filled believer, a black man who loved God with all his heart. And all he, this is one of his, his famous quotes. Now, he said this before he was assassinated. Here's what he said. And he's in heaven today, praise God. Amen. Amen. But here's what he said. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And listen, listen, the character that we've been witnessing on TV isn't at all what he would have displayed or would have approved. He, he was a peaceful man. He wanted peace. He didn't want any contention. Didn't want any, throwing any rocks. He didn't want anybody to get out of line. He just wanted people to get along. How many want people just to get along with one another? With God, there's no distinction between the inherent value of one race of people or another. In fact, listen, his redemptive promise to Abraham included all the nations and colors of the world. Genesis 18 says, all the nations or the ethnicities shall be blessed in him. Then finally, I want to read this, Revelation 7. I love this verse, written by John the Revelator, who paints a heavenly picture regarding the future age to come. Listen to what it says. A great multitude. I'm glad it says that. A great multitude that no one could number. No one could number from every nation. That means I believe that we're going to see an outpouring of God's Spirit in the last days before Jesus comes so that we, uh, we are witnesses of the great number. Hallelujah. Great number. A great multitude that no one could number from every nation or ethnicity, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Say, well, how, what, do we, what is, I mean, what is Pastor Vicky's heart and my heart regarding anybody, any race? 
We have a bus ministry that we've been nearly going now, closer to 20 years. And every background of kids come on that bus. And as of lately, about 75% of them have been black. And when they come running through the doors, all you see is precious children that want to be loved and want to be directed and want to be cared for. That's our heart. It, I mean, it has nothing to do with anything but wanting to love people and care for people. Can I have an amen? amen. And I want to appreciate, and I, I, I appreciate and want to say thank you to all of you. Uh, first to Hank and Tris who kicked that off. Um, that's, uh, and, and then to all of you who have been part of that. God will bless you for your service. Amen. Let's have the band up. I'm going to pray uh, tonight. I want you to stand. We're going to pray over our nation. I really, like I said, I don't, I've never sat down and talked to any of the black brothers about the situation that we're dealing with, but I want you to hear my heart that it's, um, it's a horrific thing when you get into the wrong crowd. It's just, because violence is not the answer. Prayer is the answer. Can I have an amen? Prayer is the answer. God said to the children of Israel, 2 Chronicles 7, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. And our land needs healing. Our land needs healing. You have to understand. See, most of the protesters that, I mean, really wanted change didn't take the lead. In, it was the, what do they call antagonizers? Is that what they called? Who were, who were planned, strategized to be in in the midst of all this to create what was created. It only takes a spark to start a fire. You know what I'm saying? And um, so we know that a lot of this was strategized just because of the fact there are people that want to break the back of our nation economically. And this is a good way to do it. And they know it. But things have kind of calmed down. And we're just praying, praying tonight. And I want you to pray with me over our nation for God's divine intervention. Will you do that? And Vicki, do you have anything on your heart at all? Okay. Just lift your hands towards heaven for a moment. Just bow your, bow, bow your um, heads. Father, we just pray right now over America. If you know how to pray in the Spirit, just pray in tongues because there's nothing else you can do with your mind but just pray in Spirit. And Father, as a congregation, as we pray in the Spirit, we pray for the Holy Spirit's divine intervention over America. God, there have been people praying over our nation for generations. And Father, once again, our nation as it is, is in a place, God of heaven, it, that, that without, without your help, God, we will not make it. So we're crying out to you, Father, tonight. On behalf, God, of our, 
of our nation, on behalf of its citizens, on behalf of the, our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. God, we pray earnestly right now for a divine visitation of your spirit. God, we repent for America. We repent, God, of her immorality. We repent of her idolatry. We repent, God, of her greed. We repent of her pride. We repent, God, of, for her backslidden condition. And Father, we cry out to you as intercessors. We cry out to you, God, you've always had a remnant of people, a remnant of people that you've worked through. And God, we're humbly asking you tonight to God to respond to the cry of our hearts and pour out your spirit upon America from the west coast to the east coast, from the northern border to the southern border. In every town, every little city, every community, God, pour out, God, your spirit at that God of heaven. There will be a time of repentance that man will judge his heart and say, this is enough. We don't want no more war. We don't want no more fighting. We don't want more, no more racism. Oh, God of heaven, please, we cry out to you for a visitation of your spirit in Jesus' precious name. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over America. In God of heaven, God, we ask you, Father, God, for one more great visitation of your spirit upon our nation in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for our president, God, that you will give him the wisdom and the counsel and the direction, God of heaven, regarding all that has been going on, Father. And in the name of Jesus, God, of all the voices that are coming against us, uh, uh, against him, God. We thank you that no weapon formed against him will prosper in the name of Jesus, God. Bless him with your protection. Bless him with your wisdom. Bless him with your strength. Bless him with your health in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, so re shariba, rama lambroge, rama masata, rama so rima lambara mamosan dende rebadishianda. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, rama so re mala haribaha, ode makete de bebesi kamanashite, lamba donde rebadishia. God, thank you, God, that South Dakota overcame COVID-19. Thank you, God, South Dakota is blessed. South Dakota is blessed. God, we got a great governor. Bless her tonight and her household. Oh, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit. Thank you, God. Millions of Christians are praying worldwide and nationwide for America. And God, may every member of Faith Family Church, God, yearn for a closer walk with you. God, let a revival start right here at Faith Family Church. Right here, God. God, we give you praise. We give you glory and honor. Oh, now I want to I just for a moment before I dismiss you. 
just educate you a little bit on corporate prayer. And I do understand. I, I've, been, I've been serving the Lord now for almost 50 years. So I do understand the scriptures, okay? But I don't want you to uh, don't get uh, confused when I ask the congregation to pray in the spirit. And because normally in a congregational setting, that when someone prays in tongues, there should be a there should be an interpretation of tongues. Otherwise, you don't understand what's being said. But when it comes to a time of corporate prayer, as we're doing at this moment, and I ask you all to pray in the Spirit, because you can only pray in English so long, and your mind just completely, you know, kind of dead ends. You know what I'm saying? So when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're simply letting the Spirit pray through you. In fact, the Bible says when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying the divine mysteries of God. Uh, is that you're, you're praying the divine counsel of God and how many agree that the divine counsel of God is exactly what you want to pray out and and so I don't want you to you know get confused about that and uh, because normally if, if someone does pray in tongues there should be interpretation except for a setting like this where believers gather together and pray a corporate prayer uh, and we all intercede for the same the same thing for the same uh, direction can I have an amen